Well, let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 3 this morning. You know, we are in this season uh, that we celebrate the birth of Christ, that we're in the ramp up to, you know, the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. You know, we don't, that doesn't necessarily correspond to anything, any date that, that we know of specifically, but that's when we celebrate uh, the birth of Christ, the birth of our Savior. I want to touch on some things this morning related to that. Ephesians 1 verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons, by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, uh, I'm not going to teach specific on this, but I want you to notice as we're going through this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on a certain verse, but let's go back to verse 3. I want you to see throughout this area some specific um, emphasis, the, the way this is said. Let's go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So notice the things that it's saying here, and we'll say that the way it keeps saying, it's in Christ or it's related to Christ. The reason these things are true, for instance here, the reason we're blessed with every spiritual blessing is because of Christ. In the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, in other words, because of what Jesus did, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his, by, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That's Jesus. So we're accepted, again, in the beloved because of Jesus. Verse 7, in him, so again, because of Jesus, in what he did, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So there it is again, in him. Just want you to see, it's all related to what he did. Verse 7, this is what I want to emphasize and explore a little bit this morning. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Him, we have redemption. It says we have redemption. I want to talk about redemption a little bit this morning. What does redemption mean? What does it mean here? We, we have redemption. Well, we have it. So we'd like to know, what do we mean? What, what are we talking about redemption? Notice it's redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches 
of His grace. Now, redemption, just in the, you know, English dictionary, Merriam-Webster dictionary, some, some meanings, uh, two meanings in particular, like uh, categories of meanings and then some sub-meanings. One is to buy back or to repurchase or to get or win back. So clearly you could see what Jesus, he, he bought us back. He repurchased us to get or win back. That's what he did. That's one thing. And then another main um, meaning, to free from what distresses or harms. So all these go with this, what Jesus accomplished. To free from what distresses or harms, such as, and then these certain areas. To free from captivity by payment of ransom. To free from captivity by payment of ransom. In other words, a, pay, uh, in other words, a payment was made, and that payment freed something or someone from captivity. It also means to ex- extricate from or help to overcome something detrimental. So to remove from something detrimental. We're talking about the word, what it means to redeem, red, redemption. To release from blame or debt to clear. To release from blame or debt to clear. Or to free from the consequences of sin. I believe that's put in there. That, so that people could just make a religious uh, part of that. Like, well, you know, it's got this religious meaning. No, the, the word means all these things. And Jesus did all these things. It's not a figurative, well, you know, redemption means this in real life. But then, you know, in religion, it could also mean just freedom from sin. Well, what does that mean? It's freedom from all these things. Freedom, yes, it, the consequences of sin is part of what Jesus did. But it means, I'm going to read these real quick again, to buy back or to repurchase, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms, such as to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to free from or help to overcome something detrimental, to release from blame or debt or to clear... And to free from the consequences of sin. Now, if you don't have to write all that down. If you want to, great. Just go to MerriamWebster.com and put in um, redemption. And you'll get all that, the first two definitions and the, the sub-definitions. But with that in mind, with all these, you can see it means to take back something, to buy back something, and to free something. To clear from any kind of a debt to clear from consequences, to make a payment so that something that was bound is free. So that's what Jesus, when we talk about we have redemption, that's what it's meaning. Now let's look at this Ephesians 1.7 now in a few different um, versions, translations, and you'll see this come out now. Ephesians 1.7 in the Amplified Classic. It says, in him... We have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through His blood, the remission or forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses in accordance with the riches and generosity of His gracious favor. So we have redemption. It brings out deliverance, salvation. Salvation is wholeness in every area. You're free. You're, you're made uh, right. Right. 
in the, the CEB version, it says, We have been ransomed through His Son's blood, and we have forgiveness for our failures based on His overflowing grace. We have been ransomed. You know, we, we saw that in one of the definitions. There is a payment made to make free. There is a payment made to make free. Here it says, we have been ransomed. Jesus paid for us. And we'll see this later. He paid for all humanity. This is, this is the, the transaction that was made that began. I mean, it didn't ultimately begin, but on the earth it began with Jesus' birth. So when we're, we're coming up to what we're celebrating as birth, what, what we're celebrating is the fact that the ability to be ransomed by God became a reality in the earth, although it was part of God's plans uh, for millennia. Since the foundation, before the foundation of the world, we knew that it was part of God's plan that he would redeem mankind. But when Jesus entered into the world through a woman, that became, you know, he, he, be, he was on the earth. It became a reality and it, the potential was there as he walked out his earth. And what was that potential for us to be redeemed, for us to be ransomed, for mankind to be free? In the NLT, it says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom. So mankind was bound, but God, through the blood of Jesus, purchased what? Some figurative religious idea so people can follow and mass some just philosophy. No, he literally purchased our freedom. He made the way so that people could believe on that so they could literally and legally be free. It's not, it's not a philosophy. It's literally the one that's going to make the payment is entering onto the scene. What we celebrate as Christmas, when he was born, the payment showed up. The payment had been made at that point, but he was walking, he started to walk out his life on the earth to where he shed his blood and the ultimate payment was made. But on the earth, the payment, the ransom, was, had become a reality. A couple more versions just brings it out. Uh, just look at different facets of this. In uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7, the CEV says Christ sacrificed his life's blood to set us free, which means our sins are now forgiven. Christ did this because of God's gift of undeserved grace to us. God has great wisdom and understanding. So his blood, he, he, his blood was sacrificed to set us free. So it wasn't just sacrifice so people could say, oh, we're celebrating something, you know, at, at, at Christmas and then Easter, we call it, or Resurrection Sunday, when we, we celebrate the fact that he went to the cross. It, it's not a religious exercise that the purpose was to set free. One more in the message. It says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... 
His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. It says because of the blood that was poured out on the altar, see it was a sacrifice, it was a legal payment, we're a free people. So that's redemption. With the, you know, see those words uh, here, now they're not using redemption, they're explaining, they're explaining what redemption is, which is what we said. That's why I wanted to bring that out. You see redemption now, what does that look like? Well, other translations are in, in, and uh, paraphrases actually show you this is what it means. It means that there was a transaction, a payment for what? To be made free. So that's what's going on. That's what started, or like I said, started in the earth, but not ultimately started when Jesus arrived. Colossians 1, verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, notice several things here because this, this encapsulates the transaction. The state before, the transaction, and the state after. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. So there was a power of darkness. Je- Jesus came to set us free from what? From, number one, the power of sin and darkness of Satan, which includes all of that ram- those ramifications of the things we deal with daily as walking in the flesh, walking in a fallen world, walking in a realm that's influenced by Satan. We're free from all that. Jesus, the light that came, see, the whole world was bound. And that payment then was made so that people could be made free. So he has delivered us, verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. So that's where we were. That's where humanity was or is if they haven't believed on Jesus and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So he didn't just take us out or pay for us to be out of under darkness, but then just, you know, like we're one step out of the gate and just left us there. We're conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. So we were taken out of being completely bound and in Satan's kingdom and under his influence. And because of what Jesus came to do, what he did through his blood, now we're conveyed all the way into the kingdom of God. So now we're in a completely, we were in darkness and now we're completely safe in his kingdom. And so then in the middle there, verse 14 says, in whom we have redemption, in whom, in Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So we said, we looked at what redemption is. So that's the same word, redemption. We have freedom. We have payment. We've been paid for through his blood and the forgiveness we have the forgiveness of sin so we were in darkness the blood came 
Jesus came onto the earth. He ultimately shed his blood. We believed on that. That payment, that redemption set us free and put us in to the kingdom of God. And so that's the, that's, that's the, the Christmas thing. That, that's what is going on on the earth. That's what has happened. And that's what we, when we are looking to what happened, we're talking about that freedom, that redemption entering into the world that makes it possible possible for people actually to be set free. Now let's look at Romans 3 verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and and the prophets. So righteousness is right standing with God. It's saying now the righteousness of God apart from the law. In other words, a way of being right with God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. So this, this righteousness has entered the world. How did it, how did it appear? It, it appeared when Jesus appeared. That's what it's talking about. That appeared. That, that possibility appeared that people could be made righteous through believing Jesus. See, before it wasn't possible for that to happen. They, they had to look forward. There's a Messiah promise, so they had to look forward to the Messiah, but the Messiah had not come. This is the entering of the Messiah, making it, uh, consummating that, that plan of redemption. It says, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, let's stop right here. This is saying all are in the same boat. Factually and um, legally, people are in this place. They've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, regardless of people believe in sin or believe there's a standard or believe there is a God or not. This is a factual statement. It's not a statement of opinion of people. Well, I don't believe that, so it doesn't apply to me. Just like the laws that govern our land, doesn't matter if you believe it or even you may be ignorant of it, it still applies to you. And so, see, this is the state of the world, and it is the state of the world in 2022. Is that there, there is a truth that people are bound, even if they don't believe that. Well, I'm not bound by anything. It doesn't matter what you believe in that sense, like if you think it, there's a devil or not. The fact is, Satan legally has the rights to humanity. And so, Jesus then legally had to come to undo something, to redeem something, to, to pay for something in actuality. Here it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's a, that's a truth. Verse 24 then, being justified freely by His grace. So justified, declared right then, declared righteous, declared acquitted, cleared. How? By His grace... Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So how were we cleared? Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. What's redemption? All the things we touched on 
through the freedom, through the payment, through the setting free, through the clearing that's in Christ Jesus is how a person actually becomes justified or cleared legally in the court of the universe. It's just that, it's that real and that simple. It doesn't have anything to do with our own personal beliefs. It has everything to do with our belief in the truth, in the reality of a legal transaction in the universe. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. This redemption that we have, that we celebrate right, right now, this is, we, we, are, we are celebrating that redemption becoming possible and then actual in our life if we've uh, believed on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Note it, go back to verse 30 at the beginning. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus. See, something, you're in Him. That means because of what He did, something happened to us who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ Jesus was made our redemption. He is our redemption. He redeemed us, but He also is our redemption. He's the one that that made it possible, and in Him we are redeemed. Hebrews 9, verse 13, just showing, I know we're hitting just scriptures, showing this because it's, it's so many places in the word. And it's such a simple truth, but it's so powerful. It, it, it is, it is uh, you know, the scriptures don't teach something very complicated. It's not a complicated gospel. It's a, it's, it's a transaction that we can't change. We can only get in on. In other words, you don't change the the terms of the contract, but your name can be added to the contract. And so we want to know, okay, well, I'm I'm in on the contract, and then that's the contract that's been signed, sealed in the blood of the Lord Jesus, and is actually just waiting for people to jump in on in the earth. And so when we're talking about, you know, Christ's birth, we're saying this this contract was getting ready now to be signed and the entrance of the one, the agent that was going to make it possible is coming in on the scene. And so that's why the world rejoices. That's why there's joy. That's why there's peace on earth. It's because of this. Now, not everybody understands this, which is part of what our job is. And to, just to, to convey this. Not to convey religion. Not to convey 15 hoops that you have to jump through in order to just take part of what was legally already paid. It's just to do what the Bible said to partake of what Christ has already done and to make it simple. Not complicated. Not complicated. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Skip down a few. It says, For there is one God. Everybody say, One God. God. 
and one mediator. Everybody say one mediator between God and man. So there is one God and how many? One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. See, it says he, he, he became a man. He's identified with man forever. He's 100% God, but he identified with man, kind, as our Savior, as our Redeemer, as our redemption. But notice what it says, so let's read that again. For there is one God and one mediator, so one go-between. That means there's not many. Did you hear me? There are not many ways to God. Say that again. There are not many ways to God. Just a third time. There are not many ways to God. Completely politically incorrect, but legally and truthfully completely that is correct. There is no other way. And so it doesn't matter that people have their own opinions or ideas. It's not about, you know, trying to make people... uh, keep them from feeling bad about their beliefs. People, if they don't hear the truth and know the truth, number one, their lives on earth are not going to be what they could be because they're not partaking of the redemption. They're not actually free. So they're going to deal with hurt and pain here on the earth. And if they don't receive Christ before they leave this earth, their eternity is going to literally be hell. And you talk about somebody being offended. They're going to be offended at the reality of hell. It doesn't matter what people think about it. It's a truth. And legally, the whole world has been redeemed. They just have to pick up their redemption. I did not say they've all been redeemed and automatically saved. No, that's, that's heresy. That is actually error. And if anything, if you ever hear anybody, well, God loves the world so much that just everybody's going to automatically be saved, that that is uh, disagreeing with the Bible. Now, we're going to read several scriptures that says God has redeemed the world. I mean, he's paid the ransom for the world, but just because he's paid the ransom, we just read in Romans that it is... Those that are justified are the ones that believe, that have faith in Jesus Christ. So the payment's been made. The way you actuate it in your individual life is by believing that. That's how you take it. You understand something could be legally yours, but you don't take it. Somebody could have, something could have been paid for you, but you never see it in your life. It happens all the time. Well, that's what salvation is, is that it's the payment's been made. So let's look at this. It says, uh, for there is, uh, verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all. Everybody say for all. He gave himself a ransom for all. All. That means he gave himself a ransom for the worst person that you can think of. Either living now or in history. Jesus paid 
He, he was a ransom. He was a payment for them. In the NLT, it says he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Which is what we said. It's a, ran, it's a, it's a ramps, ransom. It's redemption. He gave his life to purchase freedom for who? Everyone. everyone. Not, just, not just a religious few. In fact, it has nothing to do with religion. It, ha, it, it, it was before anybody in this room or anybody listening to this message was born. So the contract was made outside of us. But it was made for everyone. So right now it's a reality that in one sense, everybody has been redeemed. The payment's been made. In the eyes of God, it's been made. But they have to claim it. You have, to, you have to claim the redemption. And we have to claim the redemption, salvation-wise. Everything that's done through Jesus has to be claimed. If you've, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus and received salvation, now you have to actively believe these things and claim them in your own life for them to be real in our everyday life. In other words... Salvation being right with God, that's part of it. Of course, the the most important thing is that we become right with God. But then there are parts of that redemption that are actually ours and legally ours. But if we don't know about them, we can't partake of them. But even if we know about them, if we don't actually act on them, then they're not really ours, even though they're legally ours. And so this is the way it is with all things uh, that God has provided through Jesus. It's you receive them by faith. Faith is the hand that takes what God has done through for us. In the message, verse, um, verse 6 says, Jesus who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. He offered himself in exchange for everyone. Held captive by sin. Everyone. To set them all free. That's what Jesus did. He offered himself as an exchange. What's another word for that? Uh, He redeemed. He's a redemption for all to set them all free. So if you can see in the eyes of God, that transaction in one sense set the whole world free, but it's like it's it's waiting. It's it's done, but you got to pull the pin you got to make you got to act on something it's just like it's just sitting there there's nothing there's all the heavy lifting has been done all the reality has been paid it's just this thing of believing that it has been paid that actually makes it happen and so it is for everyone and for us to then call on him 
and believe that what he did is actually true. And so that truth is what we share with individuals, making it just that simple. It's for every person in every part of the world, in every culture, and with every language, with every background, with any socioeconomic status, none of that matters. Everybody in this scenario is lumped into one big human container and Jesus ransomed and redeemed every single one of them. It is so much, I mean, it's not an idea of Christmas. It's not an idea of some religious thing or any individual group or person's idea of what that means. It's the Bible truth that across the board, across, no matter what they look like, no matter how they eat dinner or, you know, how they do different things culturally, they're in the eyes of God, that all just melts into the same thing and that Jesus paid the price once for everybody. And that regardless where they are, how they do life, that if they can, if you can get this, if they can get this truth and, and some, and, and God through, through individuals, through people, if he can get the truth that they've been redeemed, ransomed, freed, whatever language, whatever words it takes to convey that, whatever word pictures or culturally relevant examples it takes to convey that, if they can understand that in their mind and in their life, they can partake and be free across the whole globe. You know, I, I don't know. You guys may, how many of you actually watch soccer or football? Like, in watch the world. I just want to see percentage-wise, you know, who I'm related to. So about 40%. How many of you wa- have watched, like, at least one World Cup game? Okay, maybe 30%, 40%. Okay. It, it's, it's just a different thing. You know, I, I played soccer growing up. And, um, you know, America, we're, we're, st- we're still working on our national soccer identity. It's been this way my whole life. <clears throat> Um, you know, I, I went to a World Cup game when it was in the U.S. in 1994 at Soldiers Field in, in Chicago. Uh, saw Spain play then. I think they played Bolivia. I can't remember. Um, I keep thinking about there's somebody that played in the quarterfinals and somebody that played in the group stage when I, and sometimes I, I'm like, which one? Um, but, you know, it was, we're coming. We're getting there. We're almost, there. We're, we're, we're getting there. Well, that was how many years ago? Like 28 I'm not knocking U.S. soccer. I, 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 you know, we are. We're doing, we're doing a good job. But, you know, we're, we haven't made it past, I think, the group of six. Well, we made it to the quarterfinals once. We're working on it. But in the U.S., there's a lot of other sports competing. So we don't really, you know, approach it the same way as the rest of the world pretty much does. You know, it's, it's mostly in their forefront. But the thing that's interesting is you see all these different approaches and cultures to this same application, this same sport. You know, you could put it in the Olympics or anything, but this is the biggest sport in the world. And so you see these different national identities, different peoples, different backgrounds, but they get on that, that you know, the, the soccer field or football field pitch, and they're, they're all coming at it different, but they, th- their reality is so different. Where they come from, whenever, when they get on the, the field, they are all playing the same game. But it really brings it into the forefront, just the different cultures and the different ways people do life. And, you know, you look at all those people 
And I mean, it's it's kind of mind blowing when you think of any given game that's project when it's when it's broadcast live, how many people are watching it at that time because it's it's a worldwide event and people care about it. Well, all those people in wherever the, I mean, because I'm looking, I mean, I look at them and like their whole culture. Some of them, you know, they're not Christian nations whatsoever. And you're looking at their whole culture. It, it, it's, not, it's not Christian and, and not really, um, you know, it probably hasn't had some of the opportunity to, to hear the gospel. That's why you have missionaries. That's why you have people. But God, Jesus died for them just the same as people that have heard Jesus so much, they ignore it sometimes in our culture. But you see that across the board, it's not like, well, they look different than me. Or they, they're, they're culture. Boy, they don't even, they wear something different. They, 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 they don't acknowledge, they eat dinner different. They eat dif- different foods. To God, he, he knows everything about every one of those in intimate detail, knows exactly what it takes to reach these people. And I don't know about you, that's becoming more and more real to me is, how do you cut through, and only God can help you with each individual person, to break through the force field that's basically around individuals to keep the very truth we're talking about that seems so simple, so clear. It's like you see it in how many different scriptures, how many different ways. It's just like step one, two, three, how that comes to. But to make that a reality to where somebody gets it, takes it as a legal reality, takes it as something not fabricated, not just because this is the this is the biggest one of the biggest hurdles in my opinion is that we live in such a globalistic society that everything that would be called religion has been put into the same pot and because there has been extremes in religion it's almost pushed to the side as oh well that's what you believe we're going to push that aside because that's not real life that's a personal belief and so we'll put that over here now let's talk about the rest of life and when that happens the problem is that the truth of the gospel and redemption is actually across all tribes all tongues all peoples and needs to get through to everybody but there's this force field that people just put it right aside and what they're putting aside is that actually truth that will cause them to be redeemed in truth and so when we're talking to somebody we can't be we can't be uh dismissive or think well they're different than me think i i don't understand where they're coming from as if well somehow this doesn't apply well this Jesus knows exactly what their culture is like. Now, we may talk, you know, when I'm saying culture, people think, you know, we think, okay, overt things that, that we all, like what we were talking about, the World Cup or something, different, different countries. But you know how many different representations and cultures, just when you're around this area, how people approach life, how, how they hear what we say. It, it is, it can be almost just as different just because people are speaking English 
and people, you think, well, they're on the same page. They could be less on the same page than somebody that doesn't speak the same language, but heart-wise or, grow, or the way they grew up is actually closer to receiving God than somebody that lives next to you and speaks English but is completely different in a heart way. In other words, it's a way that people come to the truth of God, where they've come through, where their heart is, and how, what, what are the barriers to the truth that we're talking about actually being conveyed. It's so easy, it's so simple, yet because of the culture barrier, depending on what that is, it can be, there can be so much uh, aversion or so much resistance to that actually coming forth to get even through part of that sentence out to convey that truth. And that's part of then what we're doing is we are sharing that redemption and making clear that redemption with our world and the people around us because it's not for us only. It's for the whole world and the people that we come in contact with. Let's just read these couple verses. First John 2, 2. It says, He himself is the propitiation for our sins, or that's the sacrifice, the payment related to being redeemed for our sins and not for our sins only, but also the whole world. The whole world. Across the board. Same sacrifice, same pathway across the board. Revelation 5, 9, verse 10, 9 and 10 This is in Revelation then at the head talking about the Christ, the Messiah. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals, and for you were were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, and tongue, and people, and nation, and made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. It says, you go back a little bit, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. This is what's going to be said, you know, when we are together as a body of Christ out of this realm, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on the earth. Saying that out of every segment of the whole world, there will be those that, that believe in what we're talking about, the redemption, that that reality will come into their consciousness, into their hearts. They will act on it, believe it. And out of every way you can divide it, people are going to believe and make that transition. And so it's possible, it's possible for people to act, uh, to come to that knowledge and come to the knowledge of the redemption of God and what Jesus has truly done. And we've said this before, this, what we're saying right here, we want to come to it in and of ourselves. We want to appreciate it. Okay, we want, we're coming, yeah, we're, we're into December and we're, we're talking about uh, the Lord Jesus coming to earth. And we want to make sure that we, 
uh, have a sense of understanding and a sense of appreciation uh, for what Christ has done in his redemption and the fact that that is the most important thing, that regardless of what else is going on, this is the most important thing. And to keep that into focus and to keep it in focus regardless of all the noise and all that and to truly enjoy. But then we also, it can't be just, well, okay, so I have an understanding. Thank God I have the understanding. We want the understanding. But it has to go to where this event, what we celebrate in 2022, I mean, we don't know how, how long will that go on. How many times will Christmas be celebrated on the earth before Jesus comes back and time I mean, you know, there will be a tribulation stuff. Things change. Well, we have to think beyond just ourselves. This revelation that we have, we want to be forefront in our life so that we are acting and walking such that we're conscious of what other people are, are doing and dealing and realizing this singular truth is what's going to change their destiny forever. So when we're walking around, again, yeah, we talk about and, you know, Shelley sent out an email and has talked about, you know, Christ and Christmas, not just, oh, not, not having some of the secular things, but also just focusing on uh, keeping your spiritual life up and, and focusing on those. Don't let those things get pushed out. That's true. But another thing we have to keep in conscious of is just, wait, there are other people that have no clue of that reality. And it's one opportunity, and we have to trust God and help, ask Him to help us. How, how is, there, is there a way that I could be used? Not in, an overt, not in a way that's Christian-easy or, you know, we're in some kind of way that, um, you know, where it's so obvious. You know, people can see you coming 10 miles away when we, you know, we try, we, we're cheesy Christians and like, hey, you know, you're... you're you're trying to convert me and they know what's happening, you know what's happening and they don't really want to have any part of it. And it's, that's not going to help. But in reality, that you could be used. Because I'm looking at people from all kinds of backgrounds. Whether they look like you or don't look like you, we're talking about different cultures, where they came from, but not just saying it to like check a box and go, oh, well, there's Jesus and it's like falls on deaf ears and we go on but that actually, strategically, military-like, from the, the strategy of Almighty God in a battle plan, that you actually crack through something to where some heart believes on Christ that they never did before. It, it could be just an act of love. It could be a, a, just a, a comment. But it's not, it's not an it's not a, a artificial thing. It's realizing that this is a real battle that we're in. That people by culture are insulated from this truth as simple as it is. And to go through life, and in, in, in especially this time, just a conscious of that to where, is there anything that I could say that would actually register on a human heart? That could see that person in all that, the, all, every tribe and tongue, in that, that what, what Revelation is talking about, that they'll be standing there because they actually heard something. Revolutionize how we walk through life. Is there anything that would actually move them closer? Maybe, maybe they're not, they're not going to receive today, but it just inched them and their, their heart moved open. This, this, this why? Because what seem, can seem so clear to us and so obvious from Scripture is veiled, the Bible said. 
And so only the Spirit of God and the leading of God in our humility and love can have a chance of cracking it. And there are people that are going to, they're going to reject. But we can't worry about that because there are going to be those people that it talks about in Revelation from every culture, regardless of what it looks like, that are going to believe. And those are the ones that you're open to. And so we've been redeemed. And all that entails, the freedom, all the world has been redeemed, has been paid for, has been set free by the Christ. And so we want to just bask in that. And we want to just be aware of it that not everybody's taking that step. And what, God, how would you use me? Amen.